This is Take Two. Is Take Two. You are right. I'm all right. Yeah, 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 you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to ask you to introduce yourself. First of all, I'm just going to say thank you for joining me. Okay, perfect. So I'm assuming if future me does everything right, this episode will go out before New Year's. Lovely. Or after. Or after. Either way, it's going to be a week before or a week after. We'll figure it I'm out. Fine I'll figure it we out. Let, we let people wear. So um, I was doing some research on you, yeah? Okay, right. How deep did you go? Uh, not too deep. Okay. Not too deep. This would be interesting. You used to deal drugs. Uh, yes. Could you tell me what, like, how you ended up in that situation? Um, I ended up in that situation clearly because I was driven by money. Um, I was after planning an escape out of Ireland um, to move to Australia. Okay. And... I was working a good job at the time, but unfortunately, a good job after getting out of college and being qualified in a few things is not able to sustain a decent living in Dublin, mm. paying your rent, living the lifestyle I was living, which was drinking and partying and taking cocaine. So obviously the next step was then to start dealing and making an extra bit of money on the side. So literally you just literally asked just... one of your friends and... I didn't ask one of my or friends. Or someone you knew? I wouldn't ask any of my friends because I didn't really trust. <coughs> I do trust my friends, but I don't trust any of the boys that are dealing drugs. And I found out after a while that was a good thing not to do was to trust any of them. So I ended up getting a contact from someone else. I won't even say where we are because you never know who will be listening to these things. But uh, yeah, I ended up making my own contact and got into it that way. Kind of threw myself into it um, without really ever having a clue about how to do it properly you know what I mean and how long did you do that for I was doing it from I was doing it from I think it was August until February so it was about six seven months okay not too long it wasn't too long now I was always involved with boys that were doing it and hanging around those kind of circles but for me to actually be dealing heavily uh, it was about six seven months and I was moving quite a substantial amount like do you understand or do you have empathy in saying that for people that do deal drugs or because of the money um i probably got into it for a very stupid reason um it was just to make extra money and to pay a few bills and get myself how much money were are we talking here what do you mean like within seven months Um, how did your like pay increase seven months like Depends on what you're moving and depends on what time of the season. You come into Christmas, you move a lot more than you do, you know. Why? People are out partying, Christmas parties. I and see. People like to make a snow over the Christmas, so <laughs> when it's not snowing on the street, <laughs> it's snowing in someone's pocket. But uh, yeah, so don't know, you could be making an extra maybe two, three grand a month. Crazy. Yeah, depending on how much you were whacking out, yeah. And lads, uh, sorry, I don't mean to say lads, but I've only seen guys dealing drugs but plenty of guys that do it too you're not all but yeah melting your mouth kind of thing I, I think i think the only reason why i ended up saying lads from the get-go was because they are less shy about it yeah and confident in the streets i didn't tell anybody when i was doing it okay i wasn't i wasn't uh sending out like a menu of stuff that i had on offer you know what i mean mm. um the only reason why i got into it is because i had plugged I met a mine before with some stuff I was able to get. Um, he was 
fairly surprised by the quality of it. So I was after making a contact with this guy. He was going to be a good customer. And then he had crazy a few people who would have been good customers. And these were all fairly well-to-do people. You know what I mean? It wasn't like I was dealing drugs and meeting people down back alleys. This kind of thing. It was meeting people who were... That's a wee work. <laughs> no, 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 not a work. It was just people that were uh, businessmen. You know what I mean? So it was just yeah. simple, very clean, very under the radar kind of thing, you know? Yeah, I love that. Mm. I wasn't one of these boys standing in the North Face jackets and tracksuit boxes standing out in the street. I promise you the other day I was walking up and literally, I genuinely think they were 16 or 17, mm. but they could be older in fairness. Full on just package right on underneath like yeah. belly button boom, pause yeah. the parcel. Yeah. A lot of those lads that are doing it, like I feel, I feel a lot of empathy for them. Yeah. Because there is a lot of lads and I see it from where I'm living in Ballymoon and when I was living in Blanche and from my area back home, a lot of lads get involved with dealing drugs is because that's all they know. Mm. And I never tell, and that this is going to come across so bad, I will never give out to someone for dealing drugs. Mm-hmm. I'll try and guide them away from it, but I'm not going to give out to them because a lot of lads, we're back with the lads thing, a lot of lads I know are doing it to pay bills and to put food in their children's mouths. Mm-hmm. There is the lads that are doing it to buy the Canada Goose jacket and look cool at a house party. They, boys need, they need to cop themselves on. But yeah. there is a lot of lads that are struggling out there to make ends meet and that's the only thing they know how to do. So I feel sorry for them, but like I'm not going to tell them not to because... It's the lesser of two evils, you know what I mean? They're mm. selling cocaine that someone is going to buy anyway, but at least people are able to feed their children out of it, you know? That's, yeah. it's kind a of double a double-edged edged sword, sword, you know? So, What do you think would be the solution to, like, address the drug problem in Ireland? I think we should follow suit with a lot of other European countries and maybe some of the states in America and start uh, decriminalising certain drugs, legalising some of the lesser drugs that we already know have health benefits, you know? Um, I think Ireland need to start being a bit more progressive in their stance on things, you know, because we're all open to everything. You can do whatever you want with your body, but yet you can't smoke a joint. You know, you can't do it, put whatever you want into your body. Yeah. You know, Um, and I think decriminalizing and legalizing would help a lot. But do you think there would be politicians that would have the balls to do that or would it be a referendum? Uh, There is politicians that have the balls at the minute. There is Gino Prunty. I can't remember the exact bill he was getting passed last year. We were at a protest. Would they succeed, though? That's the thing. Well, look, there's been movement on all these things, which is good that they're opening the door. And I think the fact that, like, EU leaders like Germany are looking into also decriminalising it and legalising it, um, I think Ireland might not be too far behind them because there's serious revenue to be made, especially through legalisation of marijuana. There's serious health benefits as well for people who might need medical marijuana as you can see there's parents willing to march from cork to dublin mm. in a stance to get her daughter remember that lady to yeah. get her daughter uh medical marijuana because of her disorder and you know i think it should be made more definitely more accessible for people especially people suffering whatever about lads that want to have a few joints at the weekend maybe make it a little bit harder but that, that's what i see and i think it's also just a little bit of education mm. on because i do think that i'm all in favor for it, especially psychedelics and all that kind of like yeah. fun stuff. <laughs> yes, please. Um, in saying that, though, I do see the other end of the argument where sometimes people get really irritable or 
in psychosis or just like poor mental health because the environment of it is you're not going to go out like you're not going to become extroverted like alcohol would do but you're going to be like you're going to internalize everything which is amazing but if you're not comfortable with that you might go down a really shitty rabbit hole hence why the education is important the education is important and just like anything else i don't think I don't think everybody should take drugs and I don't think no. everybody should take psychedelics and I don't think everybody should drink alcohol. Yeah. Everybody reacts different to certain substances and alcohol seems to be no matter what happens or what someone does, no okay. one gives out to them for having a drink the next time, you know what I mean? I Whereas if I went out and took a load of cocaine and ended up in a row and ended up putting someone in hospital or I ended up in hospital over, people would be like, don't touch that again, what, yeah, you know what I mean? But if it was drink, it was like, oh, he was drunk. He's only after causing 10 grand's worth of damage to a hotel room and he's after getting arrested. I I wonder what the history is behind that though, in fairness. Like, was there a point where alcohol was illegal? There was in America, yeah. Really? Um, When was it? In the 20s or the 40s or something? Prohibition area. Or Prohibition era. Like, outlawed everybody and they were making their own kind of moonshine and... Poaching, it was technically poaching, which would have been Irish kind of. The Irish would have been doing it too, making their own poaching back in cool. the day to hide from the English and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. You also did DMT, didn't you? I am actually just fresh off an ayahuasca retreat. Oh my god, weekend. tell me everything. I can't tell you everything because I'm still trying to process everything. Okay, but, uh, it was the most amazing. Did you do it in Ireland? In Ireland, yeah. Um, I don't, I can't even really be giving too much away here in the podcast. I know some people that know some people in lots of different circles. So, but um, yeah, it was down in the Midlands and uh, it was just, it was just the most amazing experience because I've done DMT plenty of times. Um, in a ceremony setting, I've probably done DMT six or seven times. Um, I've done mushrooms a gram or two here if I'm out on a hike or doing mm. something fun with my friends but uh, one of my closest mates now we've done a few her- heroic doses of over five grams and uh, yeah the ayahuasca was a completely different different kettle of fish altogether. Was it a hallucinogenic like could you see things? I had a very different experience than the other people in ceremony everybody's experience was different and um, I think the ayahuasca shows you what you need to see um, I knew what I was going down there for. I was going down with intentions to gain a bit more control in my life and clarity in a few situations of where I wanted to move next with my life. And I feel like I got that over the two nights sitting through ceremony. And then other people felt like they got nothing. Um, other people felt, you know, that was their experience. They felt like that they should have got more. Or Oh, but yeah. Ayahuasca shows you what you need to see at the time. And I've learned that from even just one sitting because DMT is the same, except it's in its more broken down form where you can smoke it and it lasts probably 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I think I was out for a half an hour one time. Um, Do you just like close your eyes and this happens or? Uh, well, with the DMT? Yeah. Um, Sorry, I love this topic so much. It, I don't know. It depends. I've sat through a few people getting DMT as well, so I couldn't tell you what they're feeling. But what I feel is after a couple of hits of ingesting the smoke um, your consciousness just slips away into another dimension is the only way I can put it. Do you see elves? Uh, you see lots of things yeah. Some people see different things some people see like I seen I couldn't yeah, tell like, you let, Let's talk about your experience. What my experience? Yeah your DMT. experience like leave the other people out of Every it. Every time with DMT I always find that it shows me a little glimpse of the future. 
but it shows me two options and it always does and even the ayahuasca retreat at the weekend showed me two options of what was going to happen with my life and i think it's always it's always given me the clarity to say right well this is what's going to happen if you're going this way and if you up your game a little bit you can be going this way so and you completely believe i always feel like yeah i have great inspiration from taking psychedelics Um, for me i always get clarity after whether it's a year down the line something will hit me and i'd be like Mm. that was that thing that was that sign that dmt ceremony that mushroom ceremony whatever it was um i feel like psychedelics are it's like a little gateway to the to getting clarity in your life it's a crystal ball over there kind of like a crystal ball have you ever done any psychedelics yourself i've done mushrooms mushrooms how many grams uh three like my first time going at it i woke up with a splitting headache afterwards though Uh, were you prepared beforehand or was it at a house party or when did you do it? No, no, no. Just over at my place. But like, what do you mean prepared? Clearly I did this wrong, so. Well, no, it's just if you're, uh, me personally, if you're taking psychedelics, you mm. have to give them the respect they deserve. Okay. Um, Whatever about taking a gram of mushrooms and having whatever going on a hike, that's different. That's just kind of a light. Like having kinda, Like having a coffee with your friend. <laughs> but um, when you're going deep, if you're having a heroic dose, for me, I think it's good to prepare yourself dietary wise hydration wise and personally i always fast for about 24 to 36 hours before i take them okay yeah no matter what it is dmt mushrooms um even smoking changa or something like that mm. um, but the ayahuasca i get myself i think it was 39 hours by the time i'd actually eaten something because Stop. i was so busy ended up having to leave dublin thursday uh straight away after teaching the yoga session and i hadn't eaten since like two o'clock that day because it was flat out so i went straight home and then went in to say hello to my mother just in case something happened to me over the weekend. Got to shit myself. And, uh, yeah, so I ended up down there. And by the time the breakfast was handed out on the Saturday, um, I think it was like 39 hours, something like that. I yeah. hadn't eaten anything, yeah. And I felt great. Really? Yeah. It just gives the body. Yeah. Like or gives the breath. body just the chance to process what's happening within with the medicine. Yeah. Whereas if you have loads of food in there, especially... They say not to eat any animals because apparently the consciousness can affect the plant medicine because the plant medicine comes from the earth. But I feel in a more logical sense is your body is trying to break down the meat and the meat is one of the higher protein is one of the hardest macronutrients to break down. So I feel like that's what happens. The body ends up taking... It's a bit less of a bullshit. Yeah, yeah. So I think a fast is always good. Mm. Now, I'm not an expert on psychedelics. This is just my own personal I've been trying to bring people on for a fucking psychedelics episode. Have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I you're, still can't nail it down. You're probably talking to the wrong guy. I'm talking to the wrong... I'll chat to you Dara after. Dara Stewart, maybe. He's um, he's yeah. a guy now. He's heavily involved with uh, uh, research and psilocybin. And, yeah. Uh, I find his posts are very good. So maybe he's, he's a guy good. you should get on. He's, um, yeah. he's well-schooled up and well-educated well in that yeah. area. Dara, come on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> plug. Gas. But were you ever, like, disappointed? Not with the experience itself, right? But did you ever come out of a trip going like, oh, I'm not happy with that. Like, no. I'm scared that that will happen or something. No, because if you're, whatever the psychedelics show you, I feel like you need to see it. Whether it's something traumatic, mm. whether it's something that makes you feel happy, like whatever yeah. it is, you, you need to see it. And then it's up to you what you want to do with what you're after being shown. I see. You know, and that's the way I always look at it. Um, I've never been scared and I've had some... Bad trips, as okay. they call them. Um, a bad trip isn't like there's no such thing as a bad trip. You'll have an emotional trip, mm. you'll have an upsetting trip, 
Um, well, I suppose that is a bad trip, but but like you I've just, had a few upsetting trips, and when I come over, it's just been upsetting because they're telling me like they they talk to you, the mushrooms talk to you, the plants talk to you, DMT ayahuasca, it all talks to you and tells you areas in your life that you know you want to fix, but you might be putting on the back burner. That's what yeah. I always find now. That's just my own interpretation of psychedelics. I love that. Mm, yeah, I always feel uh, just feel like I have great clarity after every session. So now, would you? Are, are you sober now or do you just like drink still and all that kind of stuff? And... I'd say I drank probably six times in the last 12 months. Okay. Um. So it's just drugs that like fuel you to go further. What do you mean? With the plant medicine? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I've no real interest in drinking now at the minute and I've also not taken any psychedelics in over a year bar this, bar that. Bar this retreat. I've had a gram or two of mushrooms here and there. Yeah. Um, maybe smoked one or two joints of Changa uh, with a friend, but they're not, to me, that's not like a heavy dose, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was a year since I actually properly sat in ceremony. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, yeah, even at that, I wouldn't use the drugs as an outlet or an escape or just something to do. Yeah. If I'm doing ceremony, I'm doing ceremony to find something out. Something's been bugging me. Something's been stressing me out. I need to figure it out. I need to sit down with myself because when you're in that realm, of whatever the psychedelic realm, whether it's mushrooms or DMT, you're in there alone and all you have is your breath to help you get through it. So Crazy. Um, I love that. Yeah. It was a tough ceremony at the weekend. I can imagine. Mm. It's also physical on the body. Yeah? Like oh, you're vomiting. I was sweating. I didn't actually purge. I felt like when I was talking to the two facilitators the next morning, I was saying that I felt like the ayahuasca wanted to stay in my body to do some work to heal over the next while. And mm. I can still feel like some of it is in there. It's strange, like, because I've been is noticing... Is it a tea, like a liquid? It's in, it's in a cup, yeah. Okay. Um, it's... I couldn't even get into what the drink even tastes like. It's... Ass. It's tough to swallow. I was able to gulp it down because I knew the benefits of it, but I could hear some people that were... Gagging, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, look, that's what it is. You have to go through that, you know. Um, but I didn't purge. I was doing a lot of burping for some reason. I felt like the ayahuasca went down one side and everything bad energy came up the other side that's the way i could describe it to you and it's a whole weekend where you have like different time slots and stuff the ayahuasca um is usually a nighttime medicine so it's done the ceremony is usually late at night um any reason why or just i've seen a few documentaries and i think that the darker light helps you focus more Mm. on what's happening internally that's just my perception of it i'll have to find out why but i remember he the guy that was holding the ceremony um i can't remember exactly why he was saying that it was done at night time so the two ceremonies were done Good at night time and they went deep into the night so they were probably five six hours long each ceremony that's the scary thing that's not even scary thing for me but what i fear is i am such a good sleeper wherever i go mm. <laughs> i just end anything late into the night yeah. i am sleeping he was uh telling us not to lie down as soon as we drink our cup he says try to sit up for as long as you can um yeah. for 20 minutes to an hour because it's after 10 o'clock your body thinks oh i'm gonna lie down here and go to sleep exactly and you don't want to do that if you're after investing some time <laughs> some finances no it's not the money wasn't even to be honest with you the way i felt on the saturday night because on the friday night i had a decent experience okay and i found out saturday morning that or saturday evening that that was only a warm-up for the Saturday night. Okay. So on Saturday morning, I woke up and I was like, I've actually had better experiences on DMT. Didn't feel like that was that strong and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And then Saturday night, the two people facilitating away. were, 
I don't know, psychedelic spiritual rock stars. You want to see the way they held the space and the music they were playing along with the instruments that they were playing. And I love that. The energy that ran through my body and how I felt during it. I was just like, you know what? I couldn't care how much this cost for this feeling I have now and the clarity I'm after again. And I would have cleared out my bank account and gave it to them, you know, that way. It was, uh, it was an amazing experience. Because you can figure it out. Mm. If you were to, so considering that experience, if you were to look at yourself now mm. and Shawnee, not even five years ago, but pre the beach yoga, pre the psychedelic experiences, pre this reinvention nearly or evolve, mm. evolution of yourself, mm. what would you say? Or what would you think about that? Um, if I could sit down with myself five or six years ago, literally but me to me, I will be unrecognizable. And that is the truth. Who were you before then? Um, I was just a lost little boy that thought he probably had to fit in um, growing up in a small town. And I always felt like I had to identify to something, whether it be rugby, boxing, soccer, uh, hanging around with the boys, sitting on a high stool, taking drugs, being the party head. I always felt like it was attached to something and you'd have a click and having friends around you. But I've realized over the years that you see who texts your phone and you see who you're actually in contact with and you realize who your real mates are over the years. And probably the fact that I've kind of not really blocked people or anything like that, but I've caught a lot of people on my life. Now, a lot of people have walked down my life too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Works both ways and I'm cool with that. But I feel like, uh, I feel like, yeah, I just had to kind of walk my own path and kind of lose any identity attachment to any old identity that I had. Like, because the end of it, I am, not blowing me on trumpet there. I am a nice fella and I don't like arguing with people. I was quite a quite an aggressive kind of typical me head male, lifting weights, going to the box and playing rugby, out drinking, taking coke. You can imagine what kind of fella I was like, you know. So yeah. Um but I've always been drawn to the spiritual side of things and even throughout all that, even dealing coke, I still threw times to get my yoga mat down, you know. And oh, I'm gonna stop you right there. So did you feel an embarrassment to embrace that certain side of you or share that side of you with other people? Um, I probably did at the start. I think I did because I didn't really mean to start getting involved in yoga. It was just an accident. And then it was kind of keeping it on the sly because it was happening in the gym I was working in. Okay. And then after a couple of months, I started telling the lads, I was like, I'm telling you, you need to get out here and try this yoga. It's unreal. So obviously got a bit of slagging. The mm. F word, I heard that a few times. Shawnee's F... You know what I mean? I just passed no heat. It's over, over uh -huh. my head, you know? I, because I do think that uh, there is a little bit of a stereotype when it comes to yoga, meditation, mm. um, chakra related or anything, energy where it is a little bit hippie. Yeah, I think I'm kind of bridging yeah. the gap between that. Because you are. I am. Like, I love that hippie lifestyle. Like, yeah. Um, but I have to be real here. I'm living in a very urban lifestyle. I'm living in a very urban area. I appeal to people who have a similar background to me. Um, so for me to teach a yoga class and turn into a yoga instructor by definition, um, I don't think it'll go well. And I think that's why I've found quite a good bit of success through mm. the yoga because people can relate to it. I make it fun. I make it a bit straight while keeping the philosophies and the respect for yoga intact with that as well. So. When did you start out with, like, what was the moment that clicked? What happened where you were like, you know what, fuck this, I'm done with this life? Yeah, yeah. 
I have I'm liking yoga. I'm enjoying this side of my life. I'm gonna commit to that. When I was dealing drugs, I was as I said, I was dealing it to a certain clientele. I didn't have to be out in the street, didn't have to be having my phone pinging over at two o'clock in the morning. Um I made a mistake by calling to a mate's house to let him taste it, let him have his, have a sample of it. And I hadn't seen him in a while, so we were going to have a drink and have a few lines as as a social thing. So me and me mate ended up having a few cans, and he couldn't get over the quality of this stuff. And a week later, I get a phone call off a guy who I wouldn't be that friendly with. Okay. I didn't really know him. But he rang me on Facebook Messenger and asked if I had any of that stuff because such and such told me that you had good stuff. And I was like, no, I have none, blah, blah, blah. That was only a tester. I only had it, blah, blah, blah. So I kind of let that one fly. And then another guy who was, who is a friend of mine, he is, he is a friend of mine. Like, uh, he was, he was dealing quite heavily in the Midlands for a while and uh, hadn't seen him in a while. He was after moving out of the country for whatever reason. But he rings me from a different continent one day and uh, was chatting away for a minute and then he just says, uh, oh, I heard you got such and such as a customer. And I was like, how did he hear that when he's out the other end of the world? Like, you know what I mean? Off traveling away, like, you know? And I just kind of got a bit of a step back. I was like, right, just too many people knowing about this. I'm from a small town. Uh, there's a lot spread. of other people scarier people than me you know I thought I was this gangster at the time and was able to handle myself but there's a good few people operating in the Midlands that are quite scary you know so I was like right well I don't need these people finding out about this so I ended up moving the last bag and that was it I ended up parking and just started focusing back on what I should have been doing in the first place because I always worked in the health and fitness kind of realm you know um, that was my background so I just started pouring my energy heavily into that and the yoga course was coming in the May, so I just ended up jumping on the yoga course because I felt like it was just something even for myself to learn. It would have been very beneficial because I was going through like some serious mental health problems at the time too. Um, cocaine makes you very paranoid. Does it? Yeah, you can't. You don't know who to trust. Um, my town back home. I love everybody in it, and I always say it's a kip, but it's my kip. You know that way. I love Longford. Uh, but a lot of people just can't keep their mouth shut. You know so. They know who they are if they're watching if they end up watching this, but a few boys need to keep their mouth shut when it comes to things, you know. So I see. You just said that story, right? And the one thing that I kind of pulled out of it mm. is not that you got scared, mm. but there was like a spooky feeling there where you got It wasn't even scared in terms of not getting in a row with someone. I didn't yeah, mind that. Exactly. It was just this the fact that if people know yeah. People talk. Your yeah. parents find out. The guardy find out. Mm -hmm. Some big like boys you could see where it goes. With. Like so many people could find out, and it ends up just messing your whole life. So I kind yeah. of felt like, right, you had your opportunity. Get in, get out. You made a okay. few quid. You covered a few bills. You paid a few debts. You're debt free. Whatever. I was like, right, it's time to park this now and start yeah. knuckling down and focusing on doing something positive, because I've always tried to be positive, even when I was getting caught up in some negative stuff. You know what I mean? That's why I avoided dealing drugs for so long. You know, I could have got into it so easy and done it for years. Okay. But I just didn't. I was kind of hanging around with the lads that were doing it and partying with them and all that, you know. But I just, yeah, it never dawned on me to do it. But then 
a few things happened personally and then the pandemic was started rolling around and I was like, I have to get out of this country. I was like, this is it, I'm done. And went flat out then for six, seven months. It was actually before the pandemic came around. But mm -hmm. then a couple of months into the pandemic then was when I started hearing phone calls of people, you know, so. Was it uh, like, were there any moments where you were like committing to me and committing to my future and health and fitness and the good side of my dreams are tough. It requires discipline. Mm -hmm. It requires struggle. How did you deal with that? I just psychedelics, the DMT experience I had. Okay. Because I had stopped and I was in the gym and I was back training and I had a few injuries and I was getting over them and I was uh, finding me strength and I was living a good lifestyle for a couple of months and started hanging around the beach a little bit. Um, started spending a lot of time by myself and I ended up meeting a friend of mine and he put me on to someone with the DMT and it literally just showed me the two paths. Um, I've talked about this before, but it showed me two paths of going down one way, you were going to court and the other way, you were going down this journey and I looked real happy at the beach and here I am. Happy. So like you just like figured out. <laughs> I just figured it out, but um, I knew it was going to be tough. Like I'd done an awful lot of work between working in the Matter Hospital during the pandemic, I was doing, I don't know how many hours a week. I was working yeah. two jobs at one stage between the lab, phlebotomy, and then doing overtime at the weekends. And on top of that, I was after signing on for the yoga course. So I had like, I think it was 22 weeks of pretty much no life um, between working, um, the two jobs, teaching the yoga then on the Wednesday night, and then doing overtime at the weekend and finishing overtime around lunch and bouncing straight up home to work on the laptop doing my yoga teacher training course so there was a lot of discipline involved and I was burnt out come the end of it I was lucky I was lucky that I was getting a little bit of a break come towards yeah. the end of the year because I had knee surgery so I was uh, laid up for a while and it gave, gave the head a little bit of a break because okay. it was a mad year so was it basically the DMT that kind of gave you that no need to doubt yourself this is your path. Yeah. Now just figure it out and commit to it. That's what it was. And then everyone a lot just of go on DMT now. The what? <laughs> everyone should just like do a DMT. DMT. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not going to tell everybody to smoke DMT. Some people could be left fried after. But um, I just, uh, yeah, I just felt like there was more in me. I felt like there was more in me then. Yeah. I think a lot of people can relate to that. Mm. There is more. I'm not happy with who I am now. Mm. I know I want to do X. How the fuck do I manage to do X and how can X <clears throat> pay me or provide me with that? I think a lot of people see the X or the goal or mm. whatever, and they're just focused on that. But if they start reverse engineering okay, from the goal, because that's the hard part, or the goal is easy. You can put your goal out there and you know what you want. Yeah. But then putting the steps in place is the hardest. And sometimes the first step is the hardest part to see. You know what I mean? So sometimes reverse engineering your idea to break it down into how you get into step one. And that's all I did. How did you reverse engineer from a goal going down? Like, would you be able to explain that process? Yeah, because I obviously, my goal now is to open up my own studio or strength and conditioning center, mm. you know, and I've always had that. Like, I'm talking about a big place now. I'm not talking about like a little Mickey Mouse gym down the back alley somewhere. I'm talking about like Elite. three or four places opening up around the country. Now this is probably going to take 10 years to do this, mm. but I'm planning on having a big, a big franchise of well-being clubs that's going to focus on everything, strength and conditioning, your yoga, your meditation, your breath work, your cold water therapy, recovery, the whole lot. That is my end goal. 
But I just had to reverse it back down because my eyes light I up see. and I'm just like, this is my vision. This is what I want. And I'm like, right, yeah, well, that's grand. You haven't got the money to invest in that yet. You haven't got the know-how. You're going to have to pick up some skills along the way. So then I just started breaking it down. And it brought me back to, I already have a nutrition degree. I've already worked in a gym for five years, done various courses to get trained up. I was like, that's two. And then it ended up being the yoga. That's three. I see. So that's the trifecta. For me, the holy trinity is being able to do some good resistance training, keep a good balanced diet, and bring in the yoga, breathwork, and meditation. That is like a perfect little triangle of health for me now, to be honest. And that's what I'm trying to promote through me, through me brand. So you're gonna be, you're gonna be like Bikram Yoga, have you? Don't mention him. I'm trying to keep a good name, good reputation. I don't want to, <laughs> I'm not going down the Bikram route. You'll never see me doing one-to-ones with any girls by themselves. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Bikram is banned. Just have a franchise around everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, oh, I wouldn't mind getting to maybe the level of notoriety of someone, a yoga instructor like Bikram, but doing it with good intentions. And Hopefully it will be a good Netflix documentary. A good Netflix documentary, Not yeah. a cult-like one. To be honest, we have the makings of a Netflix documentary with what's after happening down in that beach over the last few years. So you'd never know. We might be uh, we might be putting something on Netflix soon. How does that make you feel, though, like considering, like how many people attend the beach yoga now? I've no idea. It depends on the weather. It can be anywhere from... It could be 10 people or it could be 500 people. Yeah. Small Sundays there, it could be, even when it's raining, there's still 100 people showing up. You know what I mean? Um, crazy. But yeah, there's been crazy crowds down there, you know? How do you control a crowd like that? It's hard. Um, I'm sure a lot of yoga instructors wouldn't even take on the challenge of trying to manage a class like that. But I feel like the level um, of yoga that I actually teach at the beach is quite manageable because I'm not... Okay. People might say, oh, how's he managing that? Two or three hundred people down there. I keep it very basic. It's the most safest yoga that I think anybody will ever participate in because I have toddlers and OAPs coming to the session. So I do keep it very basic. And I think managing the classes have got so much easier as I've grown in confidence. And I know how to... I don't want to sound like a performer here, but I know how to work the crowd and I know when too much is too much or I know when people need to speed it up a bit. Or Do you have a speaker and like a microphone? Yeah, well, and I did. It's after blowing up me a couple of weeks ago and I'm after finishing up with the Wednesday yogas off the beach, but I think I'm going to purchase one. Yeah. I had one ordered and then it was like, oh no, I'm finishing up at the beach now. And then ended up back at the beach because a few people were giving out to me for taking too much time off. So How dare you? Yeah, no, but the microphone, yeah, the microphone makes it a lot easier for people to hear, but it does be a good... Uh, I'd love to see that just being yelled at to do a yoga pose with a Dublin accent, just like... I haven't got a Dublin accent, I'm from Lamford. Oh, sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> I'm from the country. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you are I right. do actually probably have a bit of a Dublin accent. How long have you been in Dublin years. for? Four ah. years. Um, <clears throat> and I'm living in Ballymun as well, so I'm sure a lot of the Dublin accent rubs off on me. Do I sound Irish? No. Fuck. You, oh, well, you did there. Did I? Yeah, that fuck was very, very convincing. I The amount of voice notes that I get going, eh, I hear Irish, but where's the, the where, where it. where's the rest of it? Where's the twang? Yeah, no, you definitely do have a bit of Irish. I do have a twang. When you said that fuck. How do you like Ireland? I like it. Yeah, do um, you? Yeah, obviously, I think like being here for four years now, you can, the, what's a, just like the novelty of everything being foreign mm. is no longer that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm kind of like dwindling down. The drugs and the alcohol are quite an issue here. Yeah. 
that is what really surprised me. So like Malta, as you would know, is quite like a party island and mm. similar to, I would say like similar to maybe the likes of Ibiza and all that. Yeah, my sisters are mad to get me out there Yeah, for a week. So I might go out and have a bit of a party. But it, it'd be very similar, wouldn't it? Yeah, very similar. It's very party island. So like we do drink very heavily mm. and we do drink early on similar to Ireland because there wouldn't be much like activities going around that are like healthy for young teenagers. That's the thing. And that's where the government are lacking. Yeah, be providing exactly. These services like for what, sure. What's what is there for young people to do? No, Especially it's in uh, yeah, it's like uh, after the cinema, which are now getting so bloody pricey. Mm. After like you're done watching all cinema dates and then it's just like oh, around the corner, we can start drinking like to be honest, even in my generation, I think it's just a thing that has to be done. I think everyone drinks underage, you know what I mean? Exactly, like, exactly. We went it's to the not cinema, going we never went to the cinema, you know. That that's <laughs> I'm it. staying in my friend's house, ringing yeah. their parents, you know. But but you know what I found really fascinating is the drink carries on throughout the week mm. over here. I used to drink a lot when I was younger. Yeah. Um, even up until I was mid twenties. Like you could end up having a few drinks in the house on the Thursday, then you'd be out Friday night. Then you'd be out Saturday the whole day if there was football or whatever on and then end yeah. up in a house party Saturday mm -hmm. night. Rolling into the early house on a Sunday morning and then staying there all day and then falling home Monday. You know what I mean? So it's just, I think in Ireland it's nearly like a rite of passage that a lot of people have to go through. Mm. You know, I stayed in that kind of zone for a bit too long in my life. I don't know, man. I don't like it though. But I know it's, I, mm. it's weird because it's culture to a certain extent right so like you do respect it but then it's more it's more just like it's a pity though because you can see everyone's mental health dwindle down yeah. and like the likes of you where you're using a public space for something good right mm -hmm. from a government perspective and also knowing that i am a foreigner although obviously i am paying taxes and all that kind of stuff it's like you can do so much because you have such a beautiful country. Mm. So like nature is so important. It's so good. Explain to me why it's so fucking difficult to get out to nature if you don't have a car, like via public transport, for instance. It's just the government don't have it set up here for people to appreciate nature or have access to nature. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, do something. <laughs> like uh, the government don't care about people's health here. Like look at HSE guidelines okay. around physical activity. Mm. They're telling people to do 150 minutes a week. 150 minutes. I do 150 minutes before it's lunchtime. Yeah. A day. They're telling people to do that in a week. You know what I mean? How but is that supposed to keep I everybody think it fit? It goes down to the boards. That's what I think. So like, it's, I'm not saying it's the government because it is the government, obviously. But then if you were to split it up into the education institute, mm. the health institute and all that, who are the board members that are making these decisions? I don't know who the board members are, right? They probably have beer bellies. Yes. And probably the most unhealthiest people. Probably in the most unhealthy driving, driving their Teslas down mm. and insisting that everyone needs to follow what they want to do. And there are massive issues going everywhere. I like to bring it up off, often. Obviously, I live in East Wall, so like I'm quite down at Fairview Park, mm. right? There's a new kids' park and there's a skate park. Explain to me why the kids' park has probably 10 grand if not more of floodlights all around it mm. which makes complete sense because safety the skate park doesn't have one light mm. or a cover the basketball court doesn't have a light either mm. 
you're in Ireland, it rains all the time. A feckin' canopy, literally just four poles and just like Mm. a piece of stainless steel. Those... Easy solutions, yeah, no? they are, yeah, they're simple solutions. But the simple. government, the, those areas won't get funding from the government because, as I said, the government don't care about people's health. You've seen everybody's seen throughout the pandemic the biggest marketing campaign that has ever existed in this country went into advertising that COVID 19, yeah. right? If they took 10% of that budget or 20% of that budget and promoted it into putting healthy adverts on the TV, promote adverts promoting health. Or even you walk into a shop nowadays, walk into a centre, walk into a spa, walk into any of those kind of convenience stores. By the time you get to the till, you are walking through a maze of sugar and chocolate. Surely in a country where obesity rates are so high and physical activity levels are so low, they should do something to remarket. The merchandising of the stores should be moved around because... Like, where's the hell? You walk into some centres and there might be a mouldy banana hanging in a fresh or in a fruit basket, you know? So I think Ireland need to definitely spend a little bit more time, a little bit more resources into promoting health and putting on events that people can actually benefit from. Because there's so many beautiful beaches, forests, parks, and nothing goes on in them. And they're they're hard to get to. And um, you kind of just have to break that barrier of bringing it to the people. Mm. Even just something as cool as like you know more street where the markets are now they're just gated up right did you see more street people are just throwing shite in more street is empty gone it's dead it's it's gone Mm. what about like a campaign to like reintroduce that an incentive to bring people there i don't think they'd ever do that because they're kind of letting these places from what, what i can see in the city is they're letting a lot of places that would have hold high value uh, get devalued by leaving people out on the streets. Uh, like more streets used to be glorious back in the days. You would walk down there. My grandparents or my family used to bring us down for Christmas shopping. This is the pure, the most cultiest story ever. Um, the first place our aunties would want to go or my granny would want to go would be into Michael Guiney's because that was the first spot off the train station. You get down a little bit further and it'd be into the Kylemore. That was the restaurant right beside where the spire is. Okay, That's all just homeless people outside it. Now that restaurant is closed. That was a mon- that was a landmark, especially the Colchies back in the day, because that made you right in the middle of the st- or right in the middle of Dublin. And then you go down a bit further and they want to go to Moore Street and you go down there and it'd be just the atmosphere, people roaring. If you walk down Moore Street now, you're probably I take one headphone out of my ear walking down there just to make sure that no one comes up and tries to yeah. attack you because you don't know who's down there, what kind of people are down there and the place looks like an absolute bomb site. It looks like no. A poverty-stricken area, you it's know? It's literally just people, florists, selling sunflowers for a tenner. I don't know what it is, but... That's the, it. Just the, the government have just kind of lost um, the heritage of Dublin down here as well, I feel. I feel I, like anyone in power, yeah. they're not looking after the areas that have serious sentimental value to dubs and Irish and even people coming in. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's people that come into Moore Street now and are probably like, what street is this? We're getting lost if they haven't yeah. been here in the last five, ten years, you know? For sure, because especially when it comes to dubs that probably haven't visited Dublin mm-hmm. in a long time. We'll go like, oh yeah, go here, go there, go there. Oops, there you go. Go everywhere. And then you just get there and you're like, is this what they were talking about, right? Yeah. Um, In saying that though, yeah, I do think there is a major issue when it comes to mental health, drinking, all of that kind of stuff. And 
there needs to be like stop telling people to just go on a walk walks help they do but you need to give them more i know for a fact there is no not enough support coming from professionals coming from the hse coming from the health service and these are supposed to be providing help to people who need it my friend um this was now going back two years ago he picked me up one day we were on the way to the gym he was suffering severely severely at one stage um, the death of his father some problems going on in his own personal life he was in a very dark spot and um, he started hanging around with myself and a few other people from the beach coming to the gym again see swimming got back playing rugby doing a few bits he said to me one day uh, oh, I got a phone call off the HSE this morning. And I says, all right. I says, uh, what was that about? And he says, oh, they're after getting me counselling. And I just, because I had never been to counselling at the time. I said, oh, maybe it'll help you. Like, you know, fair play, whatever. It says, for willing to go to it. He goes, dude, I made that appointment 18 months ago. And they only got back to him. And I was like, 18 months. And this fella was in the depths of it. Yeah. He was so depressed. He had so much going on. Couldn't really open up to anybody. Opened up to me and a few of of his close friends and family so i knew like, how thankfully he opened up. i knew how hard he was going or how yeah. hard it was what he was going through mm. and then 18 months later the hse get in touch with him you know what i mean that's scandalous you know so and there's loads of people qualified in ireland to work in that area there's so many people that went and became social care workers and done those courses in college and they can't get a job anywhere so that's why the government should be able to say right well even hire these people on a freelance basis so we can take the workload yeah. off people, you know? Considering that you are working in the health sector, right? Mm. What would your take be on the concept that it is getting quite pricey to seek such services, such good services? I think that people maybe who are on the dole are struggling financially. There probably should be some support coming from the government there, whether, say, if a counselling session is 50 quid, social welfare pay 15 or something like that towards it. Um, but people who can afford it and that are giving out about the price. Okay. Uh, people need to listen to this now. If there is people listening to this, if you're able to go out and buy new kicks for yourself and go out dressed up at the weekend and drink and put yourself into a worse mindset from doing negative things and wasting your money, you can surely go and spend 50 quid on a counselling session or maybe spend 200 quid on a package of counselling sessions because in the long term, your health is your wealth. And when your health starts to fade, so do the runners, so does the money, so does the nights out, so does the partying. So I think people need to really prioritise what they want to start investing in because, you know, it's your health. This is your experience here and you want to have a healthy experience, you know. New year, new me. How do you commit to your health? Um, I wake up every day and no matter how I'm feeling, I do the same things every day. What is your routine? My routine, my weekly routine. I don't have a daily routine because my day can differ um, depending on what I'm doing. I do have structure to my week hmm? and I kind of have a fair idea, but I could get a phone call the day before and get asked to do a random job. Or Question though, did you find it hard to introduce structure to your week? Um, yeah, because I was after leaving my job and going full time working okay. for myself. So I was like, oh, I've loads of spare time here now. And I was kind of twiddling my thumb for a couple of weeks. And I was like, mm, no, you need to <laughs> yeah. be doing more than just teaching yoga a couple of times a week. So, um, yeah, it was hard to add structure, but I feel like I've got good structure now. And Has something helped you in that regard with structuring your week? Um, Any tools that people could take up? 
the yoga definitely okay. adds a bit of structure, but just I think being organized, I think having a clean um living environment mm. is very important to having structure because you can see people who are messy, messy car, messy house. Their life is a mess. They're running around panicking. If you have an appointment with someone or if you're planning to meet a friend or something like that, you'll always know the one who's panicking and rushing to get there because they're not organized. So I think having a clean, organized environment. Now, I'm not saying pristine, OCD, all the labels facing out the same yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. I think if you just have a nice space. Functional. Fun, yeah, where it's able to function and a nice feng shui, where the environment has a good energy flowing through, I think that's the best thing for me to to keep myself structured. So I think being organized. Okay. All right, what else do you get going in your week? I get going sea swimming, um, yoga, bit of resistance training, and then I've just had a couple of injuries that I'm just after getting over. So I've gone back boxing and just doing a little bit of light MMA training, but I'm not doing any physical contact because... Yeah, it's quite an accident. Quite an accident a few years ago. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just enjoying my training again. I think physical activity and having... I heard a good one at the start there of last month, and it was don't start... Your day until you know how it ends. Don't start your week until you know how it ends. And don't start your month until you know how it ends. And I think that is a very good kind of concept to bring with you uh, moving forward. If you know you have, like I always know if I have a big month. November is a big month for me. I have a lot of work on. But if I hadn't got myself organized the last week in October for that, my life would be a mess. Even trying to organize this. Remember you double checked with me. I I had that penciled in. If I didn't have that and you would have messaged me yesterday, I would have been like... Oh my God, I have to cancel something else now. So I feel like, yeah, don't start your day, don't start your week or don't start your month until you know how it's going to finish. That's the way I always try to. I like that. I've always tried to live like that, but when someone, I heard it on a podcast, I was like, that's what I've been trying to do. So Mm. yeah, even the daytime now, I'll set myself up the night before. I know what I'm doing. Do you struggle with if something does come in your way and like it, the day is looking like, no, it's a, I did not plan this. If an obstacle ends up disrupting my day, um, because I have ADHD, ADHD uh, a slight touch of it, apparently I was told, um, by my psychology lecture at 28, I've talked about this before, it's scandalous how you can slip through, but um, yeah, I feel with the ADHD, it's uh, I can end up getting a bit stressed sometimes if an obstacle ends up coming in the way, because I have... They've clear, definitive vision in my head and then something will end up taking me out of my zone. But I've learned over the last few years, especially through the yoga, that just center yourself, calm yourself down, don't panic. And it's helped me a lot with some of the some of the times I would have reacted. That would have probably been an ADHD kind of outburst. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't happen as much now. So, Do you just get on with it? Because I, what I struggle with is if something doesn't go to plan... Mm-hmm. I freeze. Right. I just freeze and I... I think accepting it because if something happens, something happens, you're not expecting it. Yeah. Now, the way I operate is like kind of like 10, 15 seconds of kind of talk going, oh, it's kind of after ruining me day now, kind of going to have to put a different structure in and by 10 or 15 seconds, if I'm still giving out about it to myself, it's going to really, really mess my vibe up for the whole day. So I just kind of 10, 15 seconds, couple of breaths, I'm like, right, is there a solution? And as soon as I find out there is a solution, I'm like, right, but well, that's what you have to do. If you have to put someone off that, it like, yeah, always put whatever's the priority first. That's what I always do. And if a priority ends up coming in unannounced, it's still a priority, you know? You sound like you're at a really good place, man. I am. I am after getting into a really good place. I had a tough year um, with a few things going on behind 
closed doors that Instagram wouldn't see between my own physical condition and a few other areas. But I feel mm-hmm. good. I feel like I'm ready to move on to the next chapter. I feel like all, everything that's after happening in my life over the last four years is um, guiding me to be sitting here with you. Would you consider these four years as one chapter? Yeah, I feel like I've just restarted living my life again. Yeah. I feel like I feel like I'm a new person. Uh, or I feel like I'm the real person. I feel like the, I'm the person that was kind of lost by the time I hit my teens, you know that? Because when I was younger, I was very inquisitive and didn't care what people thought. I was always like, oh, what's that? I want to try that. And I would have tried everything when I was a kid. And then when you kind of get running, like, with people, you know what I mean? Everybody kind of just likes the same thing, let it be football or Gaelic or whatever. Yeah, well, everybody just gets boxed in and we just yeah. all accept that, you know, so... Um, yeah, I feel like I've just really started living the life that I was supposed to be living four years ago. So, When I first reached out to you, you told me that there's more to you than beach yoga. Mm. And you mentioned that you experienced quite a bit of body dysmorphia growing mm. up, right? Yeah. Shall we dive into that a bit? Definitely, yeah, yeah. I think it's um, a good topic for a male to talk about because, especially now with the pressure that uh, with social media and it's even with me now because I'm quite uh, prominent on my social media it's I feel like I always have to be looking feeling strong mm. especially because I'm teaching yoga and I'm trying it's quite difficult when you're not feeling fit to teach a yoga session you get exposed and I wasn't fit for a while there because I said I had surgery at the start of the year I was regaining my strength so even me having body conscious issues back in the day I feel like I'm after overcoming a lot of them now because standing in front of two or three hundred people at the beach when you're not in your best physical condition you're only after recovering from surgery you've been laid up in bed for two or three months I didn't feel the strongest I didn't look the best you know what I mean but I've accepted my body for what it is and I love it now for what it's able to do um whereas in the past I wouldn't have um but that was a lot got to do with eating disorders too and not being happy with how I felt dressed or naked you know how could you identify or looking back now in hindsight, because I do think that eating disorders in men are not spoken about mm. often. What would be those red flags or anything where it's like an uh, early indication of? I think if you, if there's men out there and this is going to sound so rootless. Um, <laughs> if there's men out there and if I hear my friend saying, oh, I'm I'm not eating and I can't lose weight and I do eat healthy and I can't lose weight, I'm just calling them point blank straight to their face and telling them they're full of shite because I used to say that too. Okay. I used to be like, oh, no, I am. I'm not I'm not eating that. But yes, you would be eating takeaways a couple of times a week. You would be eating chocolate. And all these things don't go into a person's head sometimes because they're trying to ignore the fact that they're eating it, you know? Um. So, like, you just don't register. You don't register. So, it's not lying, per se. Yeah. They are lying. Some people are lying. Okay. You know what I mean? But yeah. they just, they will try to perceive that they are leading the healthy lifestyle. If you are if you have a friend and they're going to the gym for six months and they're on this healthy diet and they haven't lost any weight, they're probably not going to the gym and they're probably not on the healthy diet. So, um, that's what I was at for so long. I was trying to get into the gym and trying to get into eating healthy but I didn't and I didn't like it and I'd end up storing food up in my room Um, anytime I had some spare few change in my pocket when I was a teenager I'd be just into the chipper just get something and if to be honest I felt like a crutch half the time going mm. and getting food and it was something to do Um, I had no actual 
Um, I have brothers and sisters, but they're from my father when he remarried. So it was just usually me and my mother. Yeah. And my mother was at work quite a lot. So I would have been in the house by myself and she'd come home and I'd have the whole house eaten apart, playing the PlayStation or whatever. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just uh, the eating disorders definitely um, have played a role in how I live my life now. I done so much damage to myself when I was younger from binge eating and binge drinking. Like I started drinking when I was like 11 or 12. And um, it was about 14 when some health problems started to arise, physical ones. I had real bad problems with my chest, problems with my stomach. Um, and they ended up sending me to an obesity clinic in Mullingar. And that's when I started learning about. Were you like big? Yeah, it was quite, yeah, I think I was what? I think the heaviest I was ever at <clears throat> when I was that age. I think I was 14 and a half stone when I was like 13, maybe Great. 12. So I was quite, yeah, quite wide. Yeah, I was widescreen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I got a bit of help in the star clinic way back in the day. And, and what did you do? Like, what was your process? The process was going over meeting this lady. She was kind of like a counselor, nutritionist. Mm. She kind of done everything. She was kind of like a jack of all trades. Uh, it was over at Mullingar Hospital. And just try to implement better eat or ha eating habits. Um, I always played soccer out in mm -hmm. the green or in school or whatever. I was always involved that way, but I had no other real interest in exercise um, or playing Gaelic or anything like that. It was just always soccer that I liked when I was younger. So I feel like me other friends would have had other outlets for their activities and stuff like that. Whereas me, it was just kicking football. I was either in, out the front kicking football, playing football in school or else I was in the house playing yeah. playstation or my mate's gaff playing the playstation we were always just somewhere okay. doing something that wasn't too tasking on the body you know that way uh-huh and would you say that food could be an addiction for people definitely yeah um i feel like that's not spoken enough because it is quite a touchy it topic. is it's definitely a, it was a, an addiction for me um anything sweet chocolate anything like that um you'd feel and the only way I can relate it to it is like wanting a cigarette mm. or wanting, I don't know, well, alcohol has never really appealed to me that way, but you'd like wanting a cigarette or something yeah. like that. Um, and you're nearly in a frenzy to get the food and then to get it into you, you know, that way. And then you realize after you're after eating like three or four packets of biscuits there that you probably shouldn't have eaten, you know. Yeah. So um, I felt like when I was younger, it was a bit of an addiction. Mm -hmm. um, and I would only turn to the stuff that I had hid under my bed if something was after hurting me in a physical or an emotional kind of way, you know, that way. Yeah. Not in a physical way, in a more an emotional way. Because I had started to put on, I was quite a chunky kid when I hit about 11 or 12, but I wasn't really that big. Yeah. big. And then I think when you start getting slagged a little bit when you hit 12, 13, you take things on board a lot more because you become a little bit more sensitive as you start to develop into a man. You know, you're at the pre-bubescent stage, you're not even at the adolescent stage. And then people are starting to slag you. And you don't take it on. Like, I didn't at the time because I just slagged back or I'd retaliated and end up in a fight or something like that. But now when I look back at things, it's like, yeah, it's not nice to have people giving you abuse, you know. And I've given people abuse back too, so I'm not a saint, you That's know? the interesting thing because mm. I do think the approach to men versus women is so different. Mm. And, like, I, I won't, we won't dive too deep into it. But although you do have a degree in nutrition, so mm. you are qualified to, like we can mm. if you want. Yeah, yeah. In, in saying that, though, I feel like a lot of lads say, oh, yeah, like if your friend is fat, 
I can tell him, mate, you're fat. And he will go to the gym and because he's a dude, that's okay. That's what lads mm. need to kick up the ass. Yeah. Versus women, it needs to be like, a, it's a lot more of a sensitive topic. Mm. A lot of the discourse is also saying that women are being praised for being overweight. I had this conversation with a guy yesterday. Um, I went training with him and we were talking about, uh, I don't know how that came up. It was something got to do with what he had seen on the cover of a magazine and it was glorifying, like, whatever. People are beautiful in whatever shape yeah. or size. But to be, like, you will never, never, never see an obese or an overweight plus size male model in a pair of Calvin Klein's on mm. the front of a billboard. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? No, I haven't. Because it's not appealing to the woman. Yeah. And it's not appealing to the man. The man sees the Calvin Klein boxers. He's like, right, look at that fella. He's in shape. I'm not wearing them. I'm not putting on a pair of Calvin Kleins until I look like that. The women see the Calvin Klein model and they think, that is the epitome of a man. Nice big package in the tighty whities Rip six pack. How about we flip the lid in it and we get a bald 40-year-old fat man and we'll put him on the Calvin Klein adverts. Because you see beautiful women that aren't that healthy and they're promoting like a health brand where you know what I mean? And Would you say it's the language though? Mm. Because it's like beautiful women and it's not a question of beauty, mm. but could you call that 40-year-old bald fat man handsome? Sure. Like if Everyone's we're talking about of a beauty. Person. Like some people exactly. are going to think I'm ugly. Some people think I'm beautiful. Yeah. Some people think you're ugly. Some people think you're beautiful. Yeah, it's very few perception. of them in fairness. But, um, but. <laughs> Love it. But we're talking about health here. <laughs> we're talking about health here. You know what I mean? And like, and I'm not saying that these people aren't healthy. You know what I mean? There's so many like people who are healthy and are plus size beautiful people. You know what I mean? I've, I've like, I've loads of friends who are not ripped or jacked, but they're beautiful, healthy people. But if you're advertising health, exactly. and we're not trying to promote that kind of yeah. Healthier lifestyle, someone who looks like they know what they're talking about, you know. Mm -hmm. As I said, you're not going to see an overweight man wearing a pair of Calvin Klein's. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good area for people to look at. I kind of think it's a it's a strange area that women are glorified in that area. But if a man is overweight, he's just fat, yeah. overweight, ugly, unattractive. You I know think what I, mean? I think it literally goes back to the history of women were told for a very long time skinny eating mm. disorder mm. anorexia you know like that, that was is pushed by the from. magazines and the propaganda from and Hollywood. media yeah. and all that kind of stuff mm. so it it went literally as the way things go one extreme to another yeah and in fairness when you actually think about it it's like me for instance i'm probably like five two five three mm. normal like athletic build probably mm. No modeling agency is going to take me down on a catwalk mm. because I am in the middle. Mm. I get what you mean, yeah. And the lineup of models that they're getting is plus size and is excess small. But I don't know what they even, <coughs> excuse me, class is plus size because I seen a girl that shared a reel the other day. And like this is confuses me because when they say a plus size model, I'm like, well, well who or what kind of determines a plus uh, size model? Because this girl was gorgeous. She was about six one, mm. blonde hair. She didn't look like she just looked like she was athletic, but she was tall. And next minute your one was saying, I think you should go into the plus size model category. And I was like, 
Yeah. My concept of what a plus size model exactly. was, it was completely different than what you're after calling that lady. Because yeah. that lady doesn't look like a plus size model. She looks like she should be a yoga instructor out in Sweden. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So I don't know what the definition of a plus size model is. And there's different parameters around health and different ideas of what a healthy body looks like. For sure. And that is fine. People are chunky. People are That's not. It. It's just, if you're advertising health make sure that it's been done in the right way yeah. because we're if you're it's kind of like you're giving a crutch to people then to not be healthy you know what i mean like i would say that the i would say that the rule of thumb should be get the average if you are calvin klein where you're modeling mm. clothes it has to be on the average mm. that you're advertising right and because you're advertising a fucking pair of boxers. You're not advertising health. Mm. Every, everyone I hope is wearing underwear. Yeah. On the other hand, though, it's like sports, for instance. I love, I don't, that's a lie. I like watching NFL highlights, American football. Mm. I find it so interesting. You have lads that are ripped and lads that are not, but these are well-paid athletes mm. because of the different function. They can run, mm. they are strong, they can catch a ball, athletic exactly. ability is there, which I find really cool mm. and interesting. Same and with rugby. Same with rugby. Um, what's it called? Shot put and athletics. Mm. People are massive in that. That's it. They're, but they are athletes. They are you know, athletes. And they're healthy and they're strong and they have a purpose. They're not doing it for aesthetics. Exactly. A shot put, a fella, teacher, a fella that's competing in shot put in the Olympics is going to have the broadest shoulders you've ever seen, the most powerful legs and butts you've ever seen. But he's going to have a gut mm -hmm. to help him propel yeah. that ball through the air and that has a purpose but he is an athlete in that sport same when I was would that be healthy though? probably not in the long term when I was doing yeah. strongman training and I competed in a few competitions the excess of calories that you were getting in and the damage that training was doing to your body in the long term strongman probably isn't the best sport for your heart mm. shot put probably isn't as bad as that but carrying that excess weight any weight that we are carrying like in a visceral sense or subcutaneously around the midsection, it is not good because that's where all the inter internal organs are. And that has been a precursor for doctors to identify whether someone is going to have heart problems or not. Is the excess adipose tissue around the gut for males because that's where males tend to get it first. And what about women? Women, it's usually more in the hips, the butts kind of area. Um, but that tends to obviously happen after childbirth and stuff. I don't really know too much about the women body. You know that there, way? yeah. I know. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm focused on trying to get the men healthy. I can feel like yeah. I can relate to the lads a lot more. I uh, yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. I think uh, women like... women I love you, but you're very difficult. I went and helped my friend, my friend Stacy. I told her before I even sat down. I says we're going to do this now, this nutrition program. I have no problem. I eat anything. By the end of it. Um, no, I don't. Uh, like, I don't. I. Uh, how am I going to get time to do this and blah blah blah? Yeah. And, like the communication is so different. It yeah. is so different because, like, I also see. I weirdly enough, I talk to a lot of lads. I have a lot of lads mm. on the podcast, and I love seeing their Instagram profiles or the comments where it's like went on a run, and it's like, yeah, bro, good job, mate. Keep it going, onwards and upwards. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, fuck yeah. Whereas with women, it's like. Do you want that piece of chocolate? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's more just like, let me like pull you down a little bit. I don't get that much now on my Instagram at the minute. Because uh, it was, I don't know. I'll start commenting. Start on commenting. Yeah, a lot of, like, I think it's probably because me following is probably 80, 
2% females in their 30s to 40s to 50s because they're coming down to yoga. But They uh, feed you compliments or is it just heart emojis in the comment section? Uh, no comment. I just, no, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the DMs are no flight zone. Really? It's all business on the Mind Yourself page, yeah. God. I have to keep it business. It's all business, yeah. You just, you, th that's where you create a Finsta, Shawnee. What's that? It's a fake Insta. Oh. It's like the personal one. So you've got your business, right? I do have my personal one, but I'm keeping that personal. Like, if uh, I did have it up for a while if people wanted to get in contact with me in a personal sense, like friends or whatever, because sometimes I can be quite ignorant on the Mind Yourself page because I would get bombarded with meshes. And as much as I'd love to get back to everybody, I do not have the mental capacity to sit down and talk to people that I don't know over a lengthy basis because I feel at the minute now what's going on in my life I'm even neglecting my close people you know mm. like my mother texted me the other day she goes you must be very busy son you haven't rang me in three days and I was like oh fuck my like mother like imagine not being busy enough to ring your mother where yeah. everything that's going on in your life positive and negative like the only woman that has been around me life the whole way through like and I yeah. still haven't got the time to ring her so if any of my mates or pals or anybody sees this and I haven't got back to you in a few days please understand message him on his insta message on, on the private insta on the yeah. private insta yeah instagram is a weird world it's a very weird world yeah like I find it very interesting because what happens with me is like people do reach out on like instagram mm. dms and stuff I find it just a bit weird when it's like the audacity with no context. Why do you get people coming after you? Not after me, but sometimes it's just like I would not. So I would have an Instagram and a TikTok, right? Mm. And what happens with TikTok is if a video really picks up, mm. people that want access obviously have to come through on Instagram because there isn't a messaging feature on TikTok mm. unless you follow each other, okay. right? So then it's like, okay, I saw your TikTok go viral. Big fan. Can I be on the podcast? I'm like, what? Like, I don't get why people ask <coughs> to go on podcasts. Like, I find that strange. And I've heard that about a few people in the Instagram reality getting in touch with people who have podcasts to go say, you should have me on. And I'm like, any podcast I've ever been on has been, I've been invited on because someone wants to chat about what's going on. Yeah. You know? Look, in in fairness, let's say if you have a book or anything like mm. that and it's part of your promotion or whatever, mm. sure. If you literally just have IBS and want to and come on the podcast <laughs> to chat about you having the shits. I better not talk about my IBS. Uh, yeah. I don't. But, uh, no, no, no. I but like, what you're saying, what people you're saying. literally just want to mm. want a platform. And sometimes, and that's like this, not even the sad thing, right? Because I do have empathy for that. Sometimes people just want to have a good discussion and want to be asked good questions, mm. which is fair. Yeah. I think discourse, especially good discourse is super important Yeah, and we do lack it. And it's kind of going to people that have an Instagram following or have a mm. platform or a service that are getting the good discourse Yeah, yeah. on in a medium like this that's it yeah but i think people just need to understand that they can do it with their buddies mm. you can reach out to your friends you can reach out to strangers people don't know how to use social media for their own good mm. it's like so a common topic that comes up on my podcast is loneliness in your 20s and trying to make friends 
in your 20s mm. because especially if you did move country and all that you don't have connections it is quite difficult it's a brave thing to do yeah exactly so that is quite a common thing and i think people just literally don't understand that you have a phone that connects you to so many people all you have to do is reach out with interest and authenticity mm. very very true authenticity is the word that I've just it's been a buzzword lately and people have said it to me and I've said it to a lot of people and I think if you are authentic with yourself and how you portray yourself and it's not portraying yourself if you're being authentic that is you the whole world is seeing that you will attract the people that you want in your life um even with the social media thing, it is a good way to communicate with people, but it's a strange way to message people if you've never met them before. Yeah. Like I have people messaging me about doing work together and I'm like, it doesn't work like that, but kind of, and I, this, I'm shooting myself in the forehead if people are seeing this, like, cause I do want to collaborate with people, but people just message me and they expect me to start like becoming a rep for something. And I'm not about that life, you know? Yeah. Um. So. No, it, it's, you need, you need to give mm. you need to give and that's the interesting thing it's like if so i reached out to you it was basically mm. a cold message yeah 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 but it was more like here's the benefit that's gonna happen um and this is what we're gonna do about it so all i need is for you to show up mm. you don't have to work after that yeah yeah the moment that you reach out to someone and but they have to do the work for mm. you then you're fucked yeah and sometimes there is that level of, I feel like entitled is too like extreme of a word, like extreme of a word to use here. Mm. But there is a little bit of entitlement where it's like, oh no, if they want to, they would. Like, mm. and it's like no, you know, it goes two ways. Yeah, yeah. If I had a hoodie company, right, and I want you to rep it, mm. what makes more sense? Me just going, oi, listen, love your stuff, really good. I think we match here and there. Um. I'm going to come down to Port Marnock. Is it okay mm. if I grab you for five minutes just to give you this free hoodie? Yeah. And like that, I'm also adding more bombs in your seats. Some people have done that when and they've approached me. And it, it's, been, it it's been a smarter way to do it because smarter. I don't know a lot of people. And then I've ended up uh, doing a bit of work with this um, group of lads that have set up their own uh, clothing company. They're creating a wave is the name of the clothing company. And they're making... Um, their clothes from recycled plastic and their motto is F plastic. And um, I just got in touch with them and we kind of just started mingling and mixing stuff back and forward and it kind of happened naturally. And I was like, look, can we come down exactly. and do something together? They come down, it's done fun. something and now we're doing more work together. And that's the kind of way you should approach people. I That's the way I'd approach people if I want to do a bit of work with them. Even when you approach me, you had set out from the start this is what it's going to be about because I was like I don't want to go on another podcast and just talk about yoga but you had said this is what we're going to talk about and I was like hmm yeah and pulled in straight away you know what I mean yeah. so exactly it all depends on how you approach people on Instagram some people are very just money oriented you know and that that's something that I've kind <clears throat> of I went into it being really um I don't see like rejecting the idea like really believing in people mm. if that makes sense what do you mean in that I was like, oh no, that's what like everyone on the internet says that like people are really money driven and really mm. fake. Da, da, da. I'm like, no, 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 people are sound. Like you really believe and hold on to this concept. But it's nice to have that belief. But yeah, when you're, 
I don't know, I've just seen a lot of stuff over the last few years, especially in the kind of area of work that I'm in. Like, I'm all about making money. I want to make money. Yeah. I want to do it in the right way. But I've seen a lot of stuff going on through social media, people just getting extorted. And then I'm hearing back about how crap an experience was for someone or how bad something was run, but it was still costing this, that, and the other amount of money. And I'm like, that's just the people are just thinking of the ticket sales and the door straight away, you know. Mm -hmm. But each of their own. I'm planning on making a lot of money now over the next few years through my own brand. So, but I'm going to keep everything in a reasonable price for people that are able to access it. I think that's where a lot of, yeah, especially yeah. in the health sector. Oh my God. Nothing is accessible price wise, you know. Fucking hell. The other day, right? I was. What documentary did I watch? It was about mushrooms, but not psychedelic, just like different mushrooms. Fantastic like fungi. It's something like that, yeah. Mm. It's like, I want to learn about mushrooms. You know. A four-hour walk, 150 euros to learn how to forage. Where was this? In Dublin. Uh, Is that... North side or south side? I have no idea. How much I'm a was foreigner. it? 150, 150. For a four hour walk. Or three, something like that. Look, it wasn't feckin' worth it, right? Like yeah. out in the, and like you'll have tea afterwards. Yeah, it's not really worth it. For someone to bring you out for 150 quid and like, what do you need to know? If you bought a foraging book for a fiver and went for a walk yourself. Yeah, exactly. It's And it it's more just like, if you are creating a community where there's people around and all that kind of stuff, if you want people to get out there, Make it a bit more. <laughs> That's why the yoga took off so well with me. I just exactly. left it open for people to come and they didn't have to pay. And I've seen a lot of people using that business model now. Um, when they weren't out doing things during the lockdown, like I was there the whole way through the lockdown, providing these spaces for people. And people now that the world has opened up, it's kind of like robbing the same business model I went with, you know. So, yeah. How uh, do you feel about that? I don't care. It's like it's, it's uh, imitation is the biggest form of flattery. So oh. I'm... Very flattered that people. Namaste. namaste. I'm very namaste flattered that people want to copy me. Yeah. So, um, did they try it at your not your beach, but like no, the like there's loads of yoga instructors down at that beach, which is great. But um, yeah, I just see a lot of the buzzwords that was associated with my yoga when you with a lot mm. of other people's events and this, that, and the other. You know? It's so, quite a competitive sector that you're in. I don't compete with anybody. I just do my own thing. If like people know me from, would you compete with yourself? I compete with myself. Do you believe yeah. in that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like um, if you're competing with other people, you can get sucked into other people's successes or failures. And some people can get a lucky break and some people can get a bad break. But at the end of the day, that's other people's stuff. You just have to focus on yourself. Mm -hmm. So um, I just really focus on what I'm trying to do within myself. And if I feel like I'm slipping up, I'll give myself a bollock and, and I'll put myself through a four, five, six week intensive test of avoiding people. Not avoiding people, but just not having time to fuck around. Um, so yeah, I feel like I'm my only competition. And I, I was, like the six week intensive yeah. period. Like I'm always training. I'm always doing my things. I always get, like that's the whole purpose, Mind Yourself 365, is to do something every day that makes you feel good, physically, mentally, spiritually. But then if I know I've after been slacking off or I've been kind of caught doing giving me energy to people who don't need it or yeah. areas that my energy shouldn't be in, then I'm like, right, get back in the zone. Yeah. You're in ninja mode now for six weeks and that's what ends up happening. If you could give someone a piece of advice heading into 2023, new year, new me, this year is going to be feckin' different. How do you make this year different, actually? What I done last year 
and I'm really surprised at myself because it's nearly all coming through bar one thing I wrote myself a contract on New Year's Eve and sent it to myself in an email I set myself out a definitive plan for the whole year and although there were major goals there was loads of minor goals that just had to be done I just knew they were going to come just simple things that I just had to line up but there was I just put one goal for every season of the year so by the end of it I'll have four major goals bar one that I couldn't just something better ended up coming along so I was like grand but that's what happened to me I put a definitive plan wrote myself a contract and spoke some very harsh words to myself about how much I had been messing around before and how it doesn't happen again and I think I'm going to be quite happy when I open up that email now at the end of the year because I told myself I wouldn't open it up until the end of the year and uh yeah I'm quite happy what's oh, happening so, so I think potent structure yeah. and just like the the main thing right you can have the structure and you can have whatever but why are you starting why do you want to be healthy is it to look good naked is it to fit into a pair of jeans is it to prolong your life so you can have a good time with your family with your children with the woman you love the man you love what is your reasoning for wanting to be healthy if it's aesthetics, cool, do it for aesthetics if it's for the woman you love or the man you love if it's for your kids if you want to prolong your life do the fucking thing like because if you don't do it you're just going to get unhealthier and unhealthier and you're going to be more unhappy because you're after wasting another year of your life doing the same shit you did the year before and the next new year's eve will come around and the next new year's eve will come around and the next new year's eve will come around and when you die there'll be a million another new new year's eves after because the world is going to keep turning so i think when you're here on this planet you should definitely try to have fun have your parties do whatever you need to do but try to live as long and as healthy and have a good experience in this planet as you can so that would be my advice go on any famous last words before the year ends no i've no famous last words i'm just uh i've not but peace and love with me heart i've uh been quite over the last few years i've been on a path and even now sometimes i feel like with a bit of begrudgery that i do hair off people people that I don't mix well or whatever. I'm just like, do you know what? I can't. I actually can't even be bothered arguing with people anymore. I've not but peace and love in my heart and just ready to attack the next the next year. You're gonna smash it. I feel like I am. I feel like I've You're a lot smashing it already in fairness. Yeah, just uh, get to India now and advance my yoga teacher training. That's yeah. the next step. What level would that be? Um it depends on what I'm going into, but I've already done a two hundred hour. Um so I'm gonna go and do a three hundred hour uh, for a month or two maybe in India would that mean an, an additional 100 or no it mean that um, I would specify in whatever style so I done like it was like a, a multi-style yoga with Hatha Vinyasa and Yin um, all under the 200 but I could go then and do 300 hour mm. specifying in Vinyasa or 300 hour in Astanga or 300 hour in whatever ayurvedic medicine and it which all one depends. are you going to do um i'm trying to find a nice course that has um there was one i seen was where the asana practice was vinyasa which is quite athletic quite sporty you're going to be t- uh, put through your paces but there was also an ayurvedic cooking class attached to that so you learn about um have you ever heard of ayurveda no so in western um medical terms we have doctors yeah um teja behind the screen they'll probably tell you this in india an ayurvedic doctor is held in higher regard than a westernized doctor okay so with ayurveda um 
it is pretty much how we can change our lifestyle factors um, introduce different ways of eating introduce different herbs spices different types of treatments body massage these all fall under ayurvedic treatments or ayurvedic practices and they can heal pretty much anything in the body um as far so say if we have a scale of health so we have zero to ten yeah obviously if we have zero to ten we have zero to minus ten yeah ayurvedic doctors now this is my understanding of it um can go back as far as probably being a minus three in terms of illness so when you get to minus three that's kind of like your amputations your cancers those kind of things but any other ailment up as far as that if you can get your ayurvedic lifestyle sorted out get some ayurvedic treatments they're able to treat up the whole way through that and bring balance to the body i think you have to do nine years to become an Ayurvedic doctor where you've only got to do six or seven to be a westernized doctor. Yeah. And you will be sent to an Ayurvedic doctor in, okay. in Eastern uh, instead of a westernized doctor. And you said the cooking, <coughs> you said the cooking class? Yeah, because you can cook with, through like Ayurvedic cooking recipes, through ah, different oils, through different okay. spices and they help promote better health in the body. So I see. that's what I want to do. I want to kind of, because I have the nutrition degree, the health science yeah. and nutrition degree from the science background. Mm-hmm. Ayurveda stands for, it translates into uh, life science. Wow. From Sanskrit. Yeah. So I feel like I need to get the balance of both sides and I'll be able to help people a lot more. So Exactly. Yeah. And S- spice your noodles up. Spice, no, spice the rice, spice the noodles. Yeah, spice, spice everything up. Spice everything up. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me. I uh, really thanks very much. It, it was uh, so nice to be on a podcast that wasn't just about yoga. Every time I'm on a podcast, just yoga, yoga, yoga. So thanks yoga. very much. Yoga. <laughs> it had to end with it. Though. I had to end with yoga. It's a yeah. big part of your life. It's a big part of my life. So, and I'm grateful yeah. for every step and grateful for so Every pose. Have you done much yoga yourself? No. You're going to have to come to one of my classes. Now. I have to know. I owe you one. Definitely. Um, <laughs> I've tried it before, huh? Yeah, but you haven't tried my yoga. I haven't tried yours. That's the that's the difference. Yeah. Up Longford. Up Longford. What part of France are you from? I am not from France, I'm Malta. Oh Malta. <laughs> yes, you fucked Why up. Did... I fucked up and you fucked up. Why did Unreal. I say Malta we after us discussing about this? <laughs> that's okay. Thank you everyone for listening. Happy New Year. Thanks. <laughs>